0: Hey, you wanna buy a mask? They're soft and comfortable and made in the USA and guaranteed to keep you from getting the coronavirus. Well, the last part isn't true. There are no guarantees in this world. And to be honest, I'm not even sure if masks make a difference or not. The experts are still fighting about it, it seems. But either way, you can't go anywhere these days without a mask, so you might as well get one that helps my foundation close America's skills gap. We're raising money all month for our next round of work ethic scholarships and these masks have been a real lifesaver for us. People love them. 100% of the proceeds go to my foundation. So pick up a couple of microworks.org shop. That's microworks.org shop. This is the way I heard it. High in the Caucasus Mountains, the spring morning dawns clear and cold as the remote village of Kevsur slowly awakens. Not everyone, though, is slumbered through the night. At the smithy, the work begins before sunrise. A broad-shouldered apprentice grips his tongs and shoves a bar of pig iron into the blazing coal, carburizing it. He transfers the hot metal into a barrel of water, triggering a furious bubbling, followed by a swift cloud of white steam that shoots up and swirls around his head. Next to the apprentice... A burly blacksmith strikes swiftly and surely on hot steel. Sparks fly, the anvil rings, and with every blow another sword comes a little further into being. A sword that will, with the help of God, separate the infidels from their heathen heads. The apprentice notices an armored man in a tattered surcoat striding swiftly toward the smithy. The Lord Commander approaches sir. The smith tosses the sword to his apprentice and wipes his gnarled hands on his leather apron, like his father and his father's father. The smith fashions the weapons that make the crusades possible, and from what he could tell from the lord commander's posture, the work was far from finished. The rumors are true, good smith. The Ottomans are marching upon the Holy Land. A war is upon us, a worthwhile war. The smith nodded. He knew it was only a matter of time. The crusade launched by Pope Innocent in 1202 was now behind them, but there was no expiration date on his holy directive. Even from their lofty home, high in the secluded reaches of a distant mountain town, the Knights of the Order of Matre-Day stood at the ready, eager to defend their Pope, eager to defend their King, eager to march into hell for a heavenly cause. The Lord Commander looks solemnly at the blacksmith. Where do we stand with arms and armor? Where we always stand, my liege. Fixing. We take our leave when the snow melts and the pass is clear. We must make Tiflis before it's too late. Yes, Lord Commander, we will be ready. This I vow. In the coming weeks, the smithy works around the clock and the knights of ave maitre train with great rigor they practice on horse and foot from melee combat with sword and buckler to lance work from horseback the knights train as if their lives depend on it which of course they do a month later the snow has melted the weapons are forged and ready the lord commander gathers his men and bows his head O lord We ask for your protection as we leave our homes and journey to aid our king. Watch over our families, we pray, while we wage the just cause on these Ottoman infidels. The knights cross themselves in perfect syncopation, their hands tracing the red crosses emblazoned upon their white surcoats. Their voices rise in affirmation and faith. Amen. The Small Army makes its way down from their secluded mountain home through the narrow passes of the mighty Caucasus. The trail is treacherous and narrow, with deadly cliff falls off the mountain. Mile after mile, they work their way down to the wide green fields in the valley far below and into the ancient city of Tiflis. There, on a cool April morning, the knights clatter up the cobblestones toward a large building in the center of town where the governor and his staff weighed on the steps of City Hall. Where is the war, the Lord Commander says. Where are the cursed Ottomans? The governor looks quizzically at the mounted knights in the town square. He considers their swords, their lances, their shields and bucklers. My Lord Commander, I fear the war started nearly a year ago, the Lord Commander frowned. "'Apologies, good sir, but we came as soon as word reached us. "'Now, please, let us atone for our late arrival. "'Where are the infidels?' "'The governor looked to his aide-de-camp and shrugged. "'Well,' he said, "'better late than never.' "'The governor directs the knights of the Ave Maitre Day to Saracamis, "'where the Ottoman hordes are massing on the southern border.' They arrive several days later, their colorful pennants streaming from the tops of their lances, the sun glinting off their chain mail. There, after another quick prayer and a rousing speech from the Lord Commander, the noble knights lower their lances, steady their mounts, and charge headlong into an army of bewildered and mildly amused infidels. The Turks, you see, were not expecting an enemy on horseback armed with the finest weapons of the Middle Ages. No, they were expecting an enemy armed as they were, an enemy with machine guns and rifles, mortars and cannons, an enemy that hunkered down in a muddy trench a 100 yards away where brave men were reduced to sniper targets and cannon fodder. There was no place for chivalry, you see, in the First World War. And that was the meat grinder into which these noble knights had ridden. These knights of Kevsur, sequestered for generations in their tiny mountain village, cut off entirely from the modern world. These crusaders from another age who traveled through the mists of time, eager to defend their pope, eager to defend their king. These brave men who brought a knife to a gunfight and marched into hell for a heavenly cause. It was, by all accounts, a very short battle. Anyway, that's the way I heard it.